you ever feel that during your journey through life that you're ill-prepared for the challenges that you face? Do you feel that you just don't have the necessary provisions for your journey? Do you feel that your journey through life is like traveling a desert road and the destination just doesn't seem to be getting any closer? Welcome to Traveling Desert Roads Podcast. I'm Joe Todd, and with the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures, we're going to walk through life and possibly some of our own desert roads while allowing the Scriptures to teach, equip, comfort, and prepare us for life's journey. The Bible was God-inspired for knowing what to do in life's most difficult situations. Together, we travel our desert roads while digging into the Holy Scriptures to equip ourselves for those journeys. Come. Let the Holy Spirit be our guide and give us the provisions that we need so we are never alone, even when we feel like we are traveling desert roads. Let's begin our journey, shall we? Good afternoon. Welcome to another Traveling Desert Roads. This week we are getting into a, a, a Bible study that I've been really thinking about lately, and then it became my daily devotional. So I thought, hey, this is the one for this week's, with this week's podcast. Um, <clears throat> as always, though, let's begin ourselves in prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for everything in my life, Lord. I thank you for things that, the small things that mean so much. Lord, I thank you for air in my lungs, and I thank you that you sent your Son to die on a cross for the sins that I've committed, and that I'm clean and whiter than snow. I pray that this message is of you and not of me. And that we glean from it what you want us to glean from it. Open our ears to hear your voice, the discernment to know it's your voice. Open our eyes to see your plan. Loosen our tongues to speak about you. Soften our hearts to have compassion on others. Help us to meditate on this message and put it into action this week. In Jesus' name. All right, we are getting into, um, well, actually, we're going to get into a couple of verses. The first one, we're going to go to the book of Acts, and we are going to go to chapter 13, verse 13. <clears throat> now, when Paul and his party set sail for Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John departed from them. Return to Jerusalem. This is just a setup. I, I want you to understand that that this just one verse. Um, <clears throat> John Mark, John called Mark. I'm going to call him John Mark. Um, was with Paul, okay, and he left Paul. There's nothing in this verse, I mean, as far as I know, that you could you could scroll up, scroll down, or turn pages, or do whatever, but there's nothing that really says why he left. Now, I did, pardon me, download a bunch of, play, bunch, bunch of reasons why he might have um, left. Why did, why did Mark leave? Well, we don't know, but we do know that Paul was a little disturbed because of it. In fact, um, we're going let, to, let's, let's fast forward a little bit before I start getting too much. Acts, uh, I believe we're in 15, and let's see here. Um, uh, 
verse 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go now and go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take them with the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to work. Then the contact became so sharp that they parted from one another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Um, Paul, John Mark left Paul. Why are the reasons? Well, let's go through some of the ones that that this that these people came up with. Now these are just educated guesses, you know, it could be it could be any reason why he left, but let's just go through a, cu a couple of the ones that that they that they came up with. They came with six and I was really I was really thought this was kind of cool that popped up. We don't know what John Mark's motives were. These are again just educated guesses. Um John objected to Paul's itinerary. Okay, that could be true. Obviously, Cyprus was Barnabas's home home territory because John was related to Barnabas. We might assume that he too had roots in this island or at least friendly family connections. When the trip went beyond this family territory, John might have balked. Okay, so he might have been like, "Hey, I get to go." You know, how many times have we gone on a vacation or something, and uh, you know, we stayed with relatives? Well, it's a little bit easier when you're staying with relatives. But imagine, you know, going somewhere farther beyond. Um, John got um, educated guest number two. John got homesick. He did follow Paul and Barnabas from Jerusalem to Antioch and uh, then returned to Jerusalem. This might have been a clue that he longed for home. He just wanted to. He just wanted to go home. John was frightened. They were headed. They were headed where where they were going was riddled with bandits. John may have been frightened by the prospect of getting beat up. Moreover, given Paul's track record, I mean, think of how many times Paul got beat. Um, even in Paphos, conflict with political entities was inevitable. Number four. I didn't turn my mouse on fast enough. I lost the picture here. All right, number four. Paul might have contracted malaria. Some have suggested that the reason Paul and Barnabas bypassed Ephesus for Pisidian Anatoch was for the higher altitude and more agreeable climate for recovering from malaria. Indeed, Paul says in Galatians 4.13 that he came to them first, to them the first time because of a bodily illness. Perhaps John was trying to avoid this devastating disease. Number five, John may have objected to Paul's leadership up until the conversion of um, Sergius Paulus. Barnabas was clearly the leader. He introduced Paul to the apostles in Jerusalem. He verified the work in Antioch. He recruited Paul to help with the work. He got top billing both of their missions of mercy in Jerusalem and their evangel evangelistic tour on Cyprus. Suddenly, and from here on out, Paul not only charged his name, but takes the lead over Barnabas. John Mark may have been jealous for his kinsman when he took back the seat to Paul. Okay. Number six, John may have objected to Paul's preaching. As Paul's message of grace turns towards Gentile audience, it becomes clear that he will not require them to be circumcised. 
This has profound implications that will fester into serious confrontations later on, like chapter 15 that we're in. Um, John may object to Paul's libertine views just as other conservatives from Jerusalem did. We don't know what the reason is why John Mark left. Might have been John Mark didn't want to do it anymore. John Mark got tired. What we do know is that John Mark moved on. He went home. He took off. No matter what the reason, he left. Which in 15 that we read, Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back to visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with him John called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in there had gone them to, to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. This became such a big deal. This became such a big deal that the two guys that were working together ended up parting company because of this. He left and then he came back. And, you know... Paul's blood must have been boiling or whatever because he didn't want anything to do with it. Um, that he... It was a big deal. This was a big deal that he left. You know, you might have heard the, you might have heard the scripture, if you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. You know, we tend to hold people in the person that they were. The people that we know. If the person lied to us, the person is a liar. The person cheated us, the person is a cheater. But what we forget to know, what we forget, is that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And that God still loves us. And that He sent His one and only Son to die on a cross for our sins. That whoever confesses with his mouth and believes in his heart is a new man. He is clean and whiter than snow. The Bible says that God separates the knowledge of the, our sins far from him as east is to west. That means the two will never, will never be joined. They'll never meet. Think about the people that we used to be. I know the stories that I, you know, that I, that I, that my friends tell is how I used to have different rules on honesty. I used to believe in a hundred percent truths, and I think a lot of people do. Hundred percent truth is one of those truths that you tell exactly the truth. You don't lie. You tell exactly what the truth is. Even though you know 
the person is assuming something else. Let me give you a for instance. Back in high school, I was sitting in um, my favorite teacher's math class. And you guys might have heard this story before if you've uh, been listening to this podcast. I had made a few bad choices that morning by locking my favorite teacher out of the classroom thing. It was funny. Um, putting chalk in her erasers and uh, using her textbook to do my homework. We would call that cheating. Um, the kids behind me passed up a snowball that they pulled out of the window. I'm sitting in the front row, and a kid puts it, puts your hand, he said, put your hand out. I put my hand out, he put a snowball in. I'm like, what should I do with this? He goes, you better do something with it. You're going to get in trouble. And I saw a friend of mine walk by the door, and I threw it at him. Poof, in the face. I think it was in the face. I, don't know. I hit it. The teacher says, Joe, go get that piece of paper you threw out in the hallway. And I said, I didn't throw a piece of paper out in the hallway. See, it was a truth. It was 100% truth. I didn't throw a piece of paper out in the hallway. Now, had I gotten up and picked up the snowball and throw it, threw it in the trash and pretended like it was... Uh, a piece of paper, I would have been fine. I still would have, you know, in my opinion, still would have been a lie because I would have got up and, and picked up the snowball. Now the teacher says, Joe, I saw you throw a piece of paper out in the hallway. And then immediately my temperament, because I had a bad, you know, a short temper, got upset. I'm like, I, you know, I don't lie. I did not throw a piece of paper out in the hallway. And she goes, you are lying. I saw you throw a piece of paper in the hallway. I'm like, you did not see me throw a piece of paper in the hallway. So she's like, all right, I'm going to prove you to be a liar. She walks out in the hallway, sees my friend going, he threw a snowball at me. And uh, she comes in and gives me a detention. 100% truth. I never lie. It's kind of like when someone says, hey, did you drink last night? And you think to yourself, no, actually, I started drinking at midnight, so that would be this morning. So, no, I didn't drink last night. So your answer is, no, I didn't drink last night. I believe that uh, a lie is any time that you say something that you know is putting somebody in a wrong belief. Okay? So 100% truth lie. I did it all the time. Then in college, I kind of grew out of that. I'm like, that's wrong. Something inside of me just, I changed. To where I said the truth all the time. Even when, like my wife will say something like, I don't want to know the whole truth. If you don't like my dinner, if you didn't like this, I don't want to hear it. Um, you know, then it gets to be the point of when do you, you know, um, but it was a change. 
When I was in fourth grade, I was a slob. My room was terrible. I mean, I remember not being able to walk across it without stepping on some type of toy. And I turned into a neat freak. My roommates in college used to take bets on, you know, they would move stuff, and then, they'd, then they would sit and watch me to see if I would catch everything. Today, I'm no longer a slob nor a neat freak. I like things clean, but I wouldn't qualify myself too much as a neat freak. I don't want to be judged as a fourth grader. I don't want to be judged when I was in college. I'm a totally different person. Experiences of life, education, training, reading the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, has modified who I am and will continue to modify me until I'm a perfect being, and that's when I am in God's presence. But until then, this fallible body, this fallible mind, God is going to groom to make better and better. I don't want somebody judging me based on when I was a quitter. I used to quit everything. I quit band, I quit basketball, I quit, 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 quit. It was too much work, I quit. Now, I, then I got so crazy that I didn't believe in quitting. Where people are like, you're too competitive. There's something wrong with you. The purpose of why I'm telling you these stories is, one, amusement. I think it's kind of funny. I think a lot of my life stories are funny. But also, that we change. I mean, if we really took a look at how we are today compared to a year ago, we're a different person. At least we should be. Life experiences teach us things. And we become a better person. Christ uses all things for good. And he's going to draw us closer to him every day. We might not notice the day-to-day -day things, kind of like when a person loses weight. You know, I asked my wife, I'm like, do I look thinner? She's like, you live so, you know, 1.8 pounds a week. You lose so slow, and I see you every day, I'm not going to notice. But now your friends will that see you, you know, once every couple weeks, they're going to notice that you're losing weight. So you might not notice that you're a different person from yesterday. But you should be able to notice that you're a different person from a year ago. We grow. We get better. As we draw closer to God, we become much more like Jesus in that growth that God can use. I don't want to be remembered as when I was the drinker, when I was the one that had a short temper. I'm much more calm now. Why did John Mark leave? We don't know. But he left. Maybe it was a bad choice. Maybe he felt God called him. Maybe he was right. Maybe he was wrong. 
But John Mark left. And it irritated Paul. How many times have we got irritated when somebody told us they were going to do something and didn't do it? We have a trouble allowing that person to have that position again. You know, if we if we are saying, hey, you want to go on vacation? And somebody's like, yeah, and you plan this trip, and then at the last minute they say, yeah, I don't want to go. You get mad. You get to the point where you probably don't ask that person to go on a trip again. Maybe the first time you let it go, the second time, definitely not. But I guess it depends on how much hurt you were the first time. Well, the first time, Paul was hurt very hard. How do we know that? Because of the terminologies that he used basically in 1538. I mean, it was like an apostasy. I mean, it was like a big, 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 big deal. To the point where pride got in so involved that Barnabas and Paul were like, you know what, let's just go our separate ways because I like it. Let's fast forward. Let's go to um, 2 Timothy and 4.11. 2 Timothy 4.11. I'll start with 4.9. Be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica Crescens, for Galatia. Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for, for ministry. And Tychus, which I have sent to Ephesus, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus and Trojas when you come, and the books especially the parchment. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must be aware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. In my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. You and I have both made mistakes. That's the one great thing that the belief that God forgives sins. Sets the knowledge of sins of our sins far from him as east is to west. Because imagine throughout your life if God judged you based on the way you were in kindergarten or in middle school or in high school or in college or at the job or when you were a drinker, when you were into drugs, when you were into whatever it was. But he doesn't. And he calls us to be like Jesus. He calls us to be forgiving. We don't know why Paul left. And we all have reasons why we do things whether we did them and we weren't supposed to or whatever. The time is now to accept the Great Commission.
to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. To accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, to go out in the world and preach the Word of God to all the world through your actions, through your voice, demonstrating the Word of God through your actions, the love that God has for people. Whether somebody has hurt you or if you've hurt people, I think we can learn a lesson. Here's Paul that says, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Can you imagine how John Mark must have felt when he was given a second chance? You and I have a second chance, third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance. Personal failures, fractured relationships are redeemable in Christian ministry. Forgive those who have trespassed against you. Ask for forgiveness for those of those people that you have trespassed against. And do the call of God. Because God can make you clean and whiter than snow. Set the knowledge of your sins far from him as east to west. And he's called us to go out in the world and share the gospel. You, like John Mark, are beneficial for ministry. You have been called to do something. God has called you. Go and do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, creator of all your children, Almighty God, thank you for this message. Thank you for showing us that we are useful for ministry. Whether we turned our back on you once, twice, ten times, a thousand times. We commit now to do what you've called us to do and be. Lead us, guide us, speak to us boldly. Show us the direction that you want us to go. Give us the Holy Spirit boldness to do it. Forgive us for our sins. Guide us, protect us, and use us today and this week. In Jesus' name. May the Lord Jesus Christ be with you and your family this week. Now go and preach. Amen.